What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the 30th episode of The Spectators. We have been 30 episodes strong. Me in Brooklyn, as always. How you doing, Brooke? I'm doing good, bro. How you doing? You know, same old stuff. We're kind of just trudging through, hoping to, to dodge this second wave that is very clearly coming. Taking and, it day uh, by day. I feel it. Yeah, taking it day by day. Absolutely. Right here. So too. on this 30th episode of ours... We're actually going to be talking about the newest ESPN 30 for 30 that came out this weekend. Long gone summer. And this is one that I know me and Brooklyn were really excited for mm-hmm. just because we were little, little, little when like these guys were still in the league and kind of wanted to know a little bit more about it. And this, this documentary was kind of everything we could have asked for with it, honestly. It was good stuff. It was really well put together. I enjoyed yeah. it. And so if, if you didn't watch, uh, the new 30 for 30 was called Long Gone Summer, and it was about the home run chase between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And they were both on pace to break the home run record. And it was just um, a full doc kind of going over to who set the home run record before and like the pressures that it kind of came with it. And then mm-hmm. Mark McGuire's rise to prominence being traded from Oakland. And then Sammy Sosa being the young Dominican player uh, that nobody really knew who he was. And all of a sudden being in this mix with one of the elite power hitters in the game. And it was really, really fun to watch. Because, at least for me, I'd, I was never really a big Sammy Sosa guy. I didn't really care much for him. Obviously, mm-hmm. like a, I was a Yankee fan, so I kind of watched them a lot. Not my eyes were kind of just there when I was a kid, but seeing like how charismatic and how like okay with uh, not being the best at that particular moment, Sammy Sosa was, but still like going with it in stride. That was really really fun for me. Yeah, he was just excited to be in the conversation and be in the moment. Being a young kid, like you said, nobody really knew about. And Mark McGuire, during that episode, he even said, like, he had no idea who Sammy Sosa was until the man hit 20 home runs in June. So, yeah, and for and something like that, imagine hitting 20 home runs in a month. 20 home runs in a month? That's insane. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a hitting lot. Like, hitting, like, 12 to hitting, like, 12 or more is nuts. 20? Yeah. It was crazy. And coming into the year, Mark uh, set a couple of records that he said he would write down uh, goals and uh, to put in a locker away, not look at it till the end of the season. And he was like, all right, I got to average like 10 home runs a, a month just to tie uh, Roger Maris's record for 60 home runs and try to beat the home run record. And something like that, even 10 a month is tough. Oh yeah, you can't because go on any type it's, it's of not that ten in the ball. month is, it's not that ten in the month is particularly hard if you're a home run hitter. Obviously, it's a hard thing, but being yeah. able to do that over the course of the season, exactly every month, stay on that pace, like avoid slumps, avoid bad injuries, injuries. Everything. I mean, anything like that. That's really difficult. I mean, even yeah. sitting out like ten games just throws you off. And. um so he, he kind of knew what it took. and um, But when the, when the Cardinals were kind of out of contention, it, it was kind of cool to see that Mark's, like, full attention was kind of on this home run. 
the home run record. He, he, him, and all the fans and the team kind of all knew like the importance of it, and like how infrequent something like this could be, a, a, like an opportunity. And, and forget about just to have one person do it, to have multiple because not only mm-hmm. Sammy, you also had Ken Griffey right behind them too. Oh yeah, Griffey obviously was they, in, they Griffey pulled was away at the end, but. He was in that yeah. hunt for a good chunk of the season, and obviously it's really hard to hit more than 60 home runs, so he wound up not yeah. doing that. But up until they were at, like, 40-plus home runs, he was right there with them. Mm-hmm. And and the cool thing about Griffey, too, uh, he was the guy a lot of people thought w- would be the one to do it before these two kind of uh, stole the show. But kind of a little off in, in the steroids era, right? where you had the Mark McGuire's and the Sammy Sosa's and everybody else who was allegedly taking steroids, um, yeah. whether or not they thought it was going to impact their play, I don't really care. Um, Griffey didn't, and Griffey was still probably the best player from this era. And, yeah, and that's Griffey really impressive to man. me. I mean, obviously you have, like, Barry Bonds, who's, like, maybe objectively better like in his prime because Barry Bonds was just like an absolute problem but there's also like that this the steroids asterisk with him yeah. and uh and, and Griffey doesn't have that and the thing with Griffey like you look at players that really elevated the game Griffey's right up there at the top to push the game forward and sense of like popularity and stuff to and me, he did it clean. Griffey is like the uh, the MLB's Allen Iverson, and yeah, I don't I don't absolutely. think that's, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Where obviously he was really 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 good, and he was better than Allen Iverson was in the NBA, especially for like a longer period. But mm-hmm. bringing like that sense of style and like the swag that he brought and the way he did stuff that looked so smooth and made you want to do it. So you had every oh, got kid one in the, the backyard swinging like Griffey. History. Right? Yeah. And then Nike says, oh, this guy's a beast. We're going to give him a shoe. A ba- or not a baseball player getting a sneaker and, like, multiple iterations of it is insane because... That was wanted just as were, much as some Jordans. Yeah, because this the guy Griffey's wears cleats. He doesn't wear shoes on the, on the field. But people are out here exactly. going and buying his shoes because Griffey is so cool. And Griffey is, like, the big deal. And he's playing in Seattle. It's not like he's out here in New York or Chicago or L.A. Mm-hmm. He was in a relatively smaller market and still had this much of an impact. So that's how larger than life he kind of was. And I know we're a little off off track here at this point, but um, I, I mean, I, I just really like Griffey. And I, I think it's kind of funny that he was with these two. He was in this race as much as they were for the first oh, two absolutely. thirds of it. Absolutely. But, and now, but, did he fall off the wagon because he wasn't juicing? Who's to say? You know, who's to say? <laughs> but it's also kind of it, – it's not even falling off the wagon. I think he ended that season with, like, 50-plus home runs. So, I don't know how much yeah. falling <laughs> off the wagon he really did. But to have these two in the same division, Mark McGuire and uh, Sosa, in the same division, in the teams that dislike each other the most, just complete, like – hate between these two organizations and they're both storied organizations too I mean the Cardinals are the the most storied outside of the Yankees uh, maybe in sports I mean you have like the Lakers and Celtics and like then it's the Cardinals um, 
and, and now you have Mark McGuire who's just kind of adding his name to that list. Uh, Sammy Sosa, who's competing with MJ. I mean, we saw what, like four or five MJ cameos in this documentary. <laughs> yeah, we we got te- we got five weeks of MJ just to get another one a couple of weeks later. <laughs> uh, but but he's competing with MJ for for the spotlight in Chicago for two sports teams, the Cubs and the Bulls, that just didn't have any sort of attention to him because they hadn't been good in so long, or in the Bulls' case, ever, and. Yeah. Now you have Sammy Sosa and Michael Jordan, just two larger-than-life, absolute beasts. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, yeah. Well, I, I saw something today. I don't know if you saw this. I think, like, ESPN, like, stats posted it. And it was mm-hmm. the most home runs within a time frame. And so number one was Barry Bonds. Obviously, he has the 72 record, which he broke a couple years later after um, Mark McGuire set his record in the year the documentary happened. So you have Barry Bonds. Yeah, I think Barry then, happened in uh, 01. Yeah. And then 98, this uh, home run race happened. So from 98, I want to say 97 really. But so Barry Bonds had the record for one season, like the most. Then the next three mm-hmm. years, so two, three, and four consecutive years, McGuire had the most home runs within that four-year span ever. And then after four years, from four or from five to ten years, Sammy Sosa had the most home runs within that time wow. frame, of like a time, ten year time frame. And just like seeing that, and just seeing those three names, and obviously the two that are forever linked together with McGuire and Sosa. Uh, that was I, I saw that stat, and I was like, this is really cool. I really like this. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And and like you said, that they're linked together to have uh, two people like that at the same time in the same division doing that is nuts it's absolutely yeah, and- nuts because you're getting what 18 games of them playing each other and mm-hmm. throughout the docu- documentary we saw a lot of uh, games where they're like passing each other or passing somebody on the record list and it's like man they're doing this against each other and they're they're racing each other so they're well- really going head to head and, and I don't see. know about I don't know about you, but I really instantly compared this to the Larry uh, Bird and Magic Johnson documentary we got like a, a bunch mm-hmm. of years ago now, and and their rivalry as a whole. Obviously, these two aren't quite on that stature of Larry Bird and and uh, Johnson, but I get what it, you mean though. But it, it felt pretty similar in that these were just two otherworldly talents that were cool with each other. Like, these these guys don't have any animosity towards each other. Obviously, on the field, no. when they're playing, it's a little different in baseball than basketball. You're not really going head-to-head, uh, quote-unquote, unless you're a pitcher and a hitter. Mm-hmm. So these guys had no animosity towards each other. They were really cool with each other, and they were doing all the press conferences and all the photo shoots, and they there's, like, a language barrier, but it doesn't even matter because Sammy's so charismatic that they kind of, like, yin and yanged each other. And seeing yeah. that was really, really cool to me because I know as younger people, we really like to enjoy players a lot. Like, we obviously like our teams, but for, mm-hmm. in the age of social media, we love players because we see everything a player does. Um, if they're tweeting or if they're on TikTok or making YouTube videos or just content in mm-hmm. general, we see them, you know, and we can like a guy. Like, I'm a big Trevor Bauer fan, even though I, he's never played for my team. He's hurt the Yankees, in fact, but I like Trevor Bauer. 
and um, it it uh, we get told a lot that oh you you can't like a lot of different guys from different teams like you're supposed to hate them but then you look back at like the '90s and you see Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, uh, the '80s and, and Magic and and Bird, and the only guy that was out here hating everybody was MJ. Everybody else was kind of <laughs> cool with each other. <laughs> At least, the, at least from what I can tell. I mean, I'm sure there was other little bouts and all that. Yeah. Be- between teams, but it, you know, for the most yeah, part, yeah, that it MJ like documentary guys are pretty really, cool. That MJ documentary really showed light about like, because narratives always, oh, don't be friends with people on the other team, blah blah blah. But meanwhile, on that documentary, you saw people kicking it like crazy in the locker mm-hmm. room. So mm-hmm. it's like, where where did that narrative come from? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's pretty interesting. Like, you don't need to be like this cutthroat guy as long as you kind of are on the on the field. Like, you don't. Yeah, if you're, you really... have to be that on the field. It. Yeah. If you're not, then well, it's a problem. And and for like a modern example, look at the uh, the announcers for Fox Sports. You have A Rod and Big Big Poppy. The two. Oh, it's the great. biggest rivalry in sports is the Yankees and the Red Sox, and it's not close, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's the biggest rivalry in sports. Soccer fans might get all up in arms. Don't care. You're wrong. Um, you just are. And those were the two biggest names on those two teams for Absolutely. the entire 2000s. I mean, obviously you have Jeter there too and Manny and there were some other guys. But it was Big Poppy and it was A-Rod. Those were the superstars, right? Yep. And now they're on pre, post, and during games on Fox Sports analyzing baseball having a blast. I mean, these guys I are love laughing. No, it's amazing. It's so good. I love it. And... You know, I, I just really enjoy seeing that, that camaraderie, like, despite that we went to war against each other so much. Um, at the end of the day, we're both ball players and we respect each other. And I, I'm, I don't know, man. I really love that. And so this documentary was, like, right up my alley. We got home runs. We got some, some fun-loving, like, friendships kind of being formed. Uh, races. I mean, obviously, uh, the cool thing is, too, Maguire gets the home run record that year. He gets 70. He wins the race, and he wins the, the home run uh, belt, quote-unquote. But mm-hmm. Sosa kind of got the last laugh a little bit. They made yeah. the wild card. He won MVP. And and the Cubs went to the playoffs. And so they both each got the, a little bit of bragging rights to them that year, in, in a way. like Absolutely. MVP is no nothing to slouch. And Maguire didn't really win any awards besides the Silver Slugger, I think. Um, uh, I would think you would win a silver slugger hitting seventy bombs. <laughs> you, I, you would hope so. Um, so he he got a silver slugger, and then that's really it. But Sosa also got one and MVP and the playoff. But I got this record that would that yeah. Roger Maris had regretted having, and you know, yeah, it was really cool to see that part of the documentary where they're interviewing Maris back in the day. And, like, he's talking that people really didn't want him to have it because they were scared, like, oh, you're breaking Babe Ruth's record. It's not really going to stand anymore. It's not going to hold any weight, this and that. You're like, And they were saying, like, history. oh, there wasn't the same amount of games, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Which is really interesting, too, because it's not like this was a different team either. Like, this was still on the Yankees. Like, Yeah. That's the crazy part. This isn't like a different team breaking this record or like, oh, forget you. This is a Yankee record. No, it's it, exactly. It was the same team just like a little bit later, and 
and uh, he didn't have the the best career after that either. So people gave him slack for that, saying he was a fluke and all that. And uh, obviously, Maguire wasn't that. Celso no. was certainly not that. Uh, and you know, uh, just despite the uh, the little star next to their name in these seasons because of like all the allegations or whoever came out. I know Maguire came out and said he did steroids. Um, not many mm-hmm. of these guys did, but Maguire Maguire was pretty open about it when he like realized what was going on. Um, and I I don't think that matters that much. I mean, I'm a pro, I'm a big pro like steroids era guy. I I think steroids Absolutely. era saved baseball. I think steroids, especially at the time, weren't illegal. So how are you gonna like fault them for doing something that wasn't like exactly. patrolled? Seems a little peculiar. Uh, and and it's not like... I've seen a lot of people comparing it to the Astros situation, right? And in the Astros situation, you have teams and players and organizations and people within that organization all coming together and deciding that we're going to do a certain thing that is giving us a legitimate and like objective way to cheat and have an advantage against another team. Right, I get to know what pitch is coming. And but outside taking steroids, you're getting a little bit stronger because your muscles are healing faster. Because that's really all this was doing mm-hmm. was like healing your your muscles a little bit faster. That does not translate directly to hitting a ball further or being better you still at have swinging. To you, you still have to see a pitch and, and hit a pitch, square it up. Exactly. And you know, like this doesn't really. So like, it still takes talent. Still oh, takes yeah. a lot, it, of and talent. it takes a lot. But when you, so you know, you can't compare what that to using technology. Coming? Exactly. When like you, you know got what cameras in the coming. outfield, like, come on, man, being fead live stream to your dugout, and then you can't do that, man. Half the half you, the challenge you can't of compare hitting. that. Half the challenge of hitting, because every every pro in the MLB can hit a fastball if they know it's coming, can hit a slider if they know it's coming. They can do that absolutely. And half the challenge as a hitter is. N- Having to figure what out are they gonna what throw pitch next? is what pitch is coming and where it's going to be, and if you that's, take that's that part of right the there. equation out of it, it's just see ball hit ball at that point because you know what type exactly. of spins coming your way. Because that's the beauty of baseball: the battle between the pitcher and the batter, every single uh, person. You don't know what they're going to throw. You don't know what's coming next. You don't know if they're going to flip it around, do something different than the last time you saw them. You don't know, and that's the beauty of it. But when you take that out of the game and, oh, all right, I'm going to just sit on this until my dugout tells me it's coming. All right, bang, bomb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's actual, as simple as It's that. actual cheating. Um, I'll, I'll defend this for a long time. Uh, maybe uh, maybe my opinion will change someday when I'm an old uh, new word for boomer, whatever we're going to call us. Um <laughs> But the steroids era was fine. It, it it did a lot for the game. Obviously, like it shouldn't happen no. now because now there's like mandated things against certain substances, and that's okay. Like that's fine. Now they try to replicate it a to little it, bit okay. with the allegedly juiced baseballs. Don't really know if it happened. At least every team is playing with it. You know. So I, I, yeah, I, I was fine with the juiced baseballs. My only problem yeah. was that it seemed like they took it away for the postseason. Oh yeah, that was interesting. 
That was really that was my only issue with it. Like I, if you're going to use it, out of stadiums, and then all of a sudden they weren't. Yeah, if you're going like, to use huh. it, use it. Go all in. Like don't back out now because we're in the playoffs. No, keep the same energy you had all regular season. And I know that really oh, hurt people the are suspect. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, because they came into Yankee Stadium and they could not get a ball out if you paid them, and they hit the most home runs all regular season. They were hitting like three a game. And all of a sudden, ball just didn't do baseball things anymore for him. It's crazy but, that in 18, the Yankees break the team season home run record. And then the very next season, the Yankees and the Twins both go for 300 and shatter that record. And and kind of like their little own uh, home run race. I know the way we were looking at it was kind of like a little home run race. Uh, obviously, oh, to a less extent. But every time a Yankee or a twin would hit a home run, we're like, oh, we're getting high. We're getting up there. And that was definitely uh, fun. I don't remember what the number was. Do you remember how many it was? Not off the top of my head, but it was in the threes. It was a lot. I know that for a fact. It was in the threes for both of them. And it was never in the threes before this season. No. And I think the the year before, the Yankees finished with, what, 296, I want to say? Something along those lines. Give or take, 296. Close to but the three. cool thing about uh, that race that we were kind of making it out to be was that we were probably going to see them in the playoffs. So yeah. knowing so that all year long, yeah, knowing that all year long, it was like, wow, dude, that's who we got to face. And they're keeping up with us. They're doing exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So that battle in the playoffs is going to be nuts. Didn't end up it, happening. It didn't turn way. out to be nuts. But... but. <laughs> That's just how. That's just how that kind of happens. That, that's the way the, the cookie twins crumbles. play the Yankees in the but. playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really cool documentary. If you haven't checked that out, um, please do. It's like a two-hour long one, just a thirty for thirty. It's not a two-parter or anything like that. It's just a two-hour documentary. If you're a big baseball mm-hmm. fan, or you just like some some good like some just very cool competition with some backstory that's important, this is for you definitely. Yeah, you uh, definitely don't got to be a baseball fan to enjoy this. No, at no, all. Because home runs are the fun thing in baseball. Mm-hmm. So you and, and you, you got plenty of them. Yeah, you got plenty of them. them. Absolutely. So. so, staying on baseball, we'll we'll cover this real quick, uh, just because this we we're recording today on Tuesday. We we're supposed to give you guys an episode on Monday, like we usually do, but we wanted to wait because we we're supposed to be getting a ESPN. Um, I don't really know what to call it. It was like it was a, it was a, a special a sports center special where they had all the commissioners from they had uh, the NHL, MLB, NBA, um, MLS, WNBA, a few other ones, and uh, they were just talking about the return to sports, how everything's going to happen, what's going on in the world with uh, the protests, Corona, everything's going to be mixing together, and just the landscape of everything. That's going to come into play with that. Yeah, and so we got all the commissioners from all those leagues, and they kind of gave their their little spiel. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we got one from Manfred, who was the commissioner of the MLB, and everybody else gave a pretty good Sadly. Uh, layout of the, the future and what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, Goodell had to, was a little bit uh, longer because the season actually hasn't started yet, so it's going to be yeah, a full, they had fresh him thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a fresh whole thing, and um, some players are starting to get COVID back, so 
that might change some of the things that were said yesterday. Ezekiel Elliott is the latest. Yeah, and, and some other Cowboys and, and Houston Texans players. But yeah. Manfred comes up and essentially says, I'm not 100% that we're going to be getting a season this year. When earlier last week, he adamantly said, and adamantly and vehemently said, we will be playing baseball this season. I am 100%. 100% too. He said 100%. And now there is like a standstill between the players and the MLB because of some money issues and because of some some other like legal things and Manfred's not sure that the season's going to happen now because he doesn't want to give in to the players even though in the players thought that he in good faith said yes we will be playing no matter what we'll figure it out and the fact that he kind of turned his back there yeah. it's a very very sketchy very suspect very corporate America it's like all the things wrong with capitalism in one like sentence kind of um, yeah and it's and just, the player association the MLBPA they came out and said pretty pretty much just to recap it we're tired of going back and forth tell us when and where and when to report and and we'll be there yeah, yeah. that's it and and, and Manfred didn't want to do that and he, this all well, he stems that they were going to file a million dollar grievance right after he did that so their uh counter wasn't really in good faith so now this all kind of stems from uh, some point during these negotiations i think really early on but mm-hmm. there was there was a maybe missed in translation sentence from somebody uh higher up that the MLBPA took as you guys will be getting your full um, salaries just prorated. Uh, that's kind of like the the long and short of it. And that's how the players mm-hmm. took it. They said, oh, cool, you guys, we, we can get our full salaries, but prorated, awesome. That's what we want. Cool. And yeah. since being told that, and then later on being asked to take 70, 75, 80% of their salary and then prorated, uh, they they felt like this was um, a just shady in general that somebody told yeah. them false information and kind of promised this false information and now they're being offered significantly less than that, and and that and that's kind of where the uh, the MLBPA stance is. It's it's less about like that they want the money and more that they were told they were going to get it and now they're not going to. Exactly. So, so that, that that's important. It's a good takeaway from it, but. Manfred, and then, you suck, and I hope you get fired soon because this is the second time in one offseason that you've just been subpar. And, and on really the, the third special, time with the Red Sox situation, too. Yeah, absolutely. And on the interview for the Sports Center special, like he's just throwing the players under the bus, like saying, oh, the everything's like just not working out the way that he wanted that. Uh, it's a disaster for the game that everything is in the public light of course it's a disaster you're you've been a disaster to the game because you really don't even know how to promote it and help it and make it grow like it's so hard for you to do simple things that a commissioner should be able to do such as get a seat like this isn't a simple thing though don't get me wrong but work with the players work with the owners get everything together so we can have a season. Don't be greedy 
and try to line your pockets as much as you can in a time like this. Work it out. You got the money. It's fine. Yeah. And and something that you kind of just touched on, he doesn't know how to spread the game at all. Um, without organizations like Barstool and their starting nine section or uh, just social media in general, uh, John Boys of this world and, and John, Boy's John Boy one. Media, um, hopefully us one day. I mean, hopefully we have that sort of access and uh, to, to MLB players and to just like people in mm-hmm. general. Uh, without outlets and media outlets like that, there would be no way to recognize these players. I mean, again, uh, go, going, go back, uh, going back to Trevor Bauer, uh, mm-hmm. he has such a platform now because he's so outspoken on social media and he's worked with the starting nine and guys like Christian Yelich who are recurring players. These are like the top end guys in the league and they what's great have about, a presence. What's great about Bauer, he's not afraid to go right after Manfred. Oh, no. At oh, all. No. And I love that. I love that too. And um, really, there's nobody else that does that, sadly. But but he's kind of somebody strong enough to do it. Like he he has enough uh, pull, and he's like good enough on the field to kind of get away with it too. Um, obviously, if you have somebody who's a rookie in the year, or a rookie in the league, and they're yelling at Manfred, people won't take them as seriously. Yeah, uh, Bauer is not that case. He's a veteran. He's a proven veteran, and there's a lot of things he doesn't like. And he's specifically going out of his way to fix these things he doesn't like by himself like with his own willpower and exactly you know listen to the players the players are what run the league you can say the owners do it you can say that whatever you want to do the players are what runs it you don't got the players you don't have a league so if they're yeah. not happy well what are you doing you're and not circling putting a good back, product out on the field if they're not happy circling back to the to the documentary i mean Mm-hmm. The way they described it was that baseball was popping because yeah. of this home run race. And the home run race wasn't because, oh, the, the Cubs and the Cardinals might go to the World Series. And, wow, there's these two teams are great. It wasn't about that. It was about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. Must watch TV. Must watch live. They were showing Mark McGuire take batting practice on ESPN. Yeah, that like, was sick. How has Manfred not under like taken from that experience and be like, wow, that's the blueprint. We need to promote the players like the NBA did. Adam Silver, and uh, you know, like he understands that he gets that, so he promotes his players. And the whole year is a who's going to win MVP, who's the the best in the league. There's constant debates about that, but you don't see that in in baseball. And the thing with Manfred, he's stubborn too. He is stubborn and won't give for whatever reason. And I, yeah. I just don't it's understand. It's that baseball like, purist mindset, which not, isn't really a good one to have. But And, and backtracking again, the whole uh, home run race came a couple years after the strike. At baseball's lowest point, brought it back up to a height that they haven't seen in a while. If ever, really, going off like that. So, in a sense where we're probably at the lowest point, in sports history and being baseball history, you're going to need to do something to bring it back up again, especially with how bad this is looking right now. Yeah, Fans aren't happy at all. This is yeah, not the, good for the, the game aren't happy at either. all. It's not good for the game at all. They're looking greedy. So you're going to need to do something, and it's going to be making a name for who you have. 
and promoting yeah. the game just as that like that. And if you don't do it, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really tough to see what happens with baseball, yeah, especially with it, the whole uh, scandal stuff not being handled correctly. Mm-hmm. This not being handled correctly. Who knows what else is gonna come that's not gonna be handled correctly? And you got the juice balls too. That again, the baseball purists probably weren't happy about, but people are fans. But just that whole like, you don't really know where you're going with the game aspect. It it's rough. Yeah, and if this doesn't get a, you know, if we don't figure out something for a season sooner and later, or or if he unilaterally, which he has the ability, he can just decide we're going to play a season um, for, for however many games he can just decide it. Uh, the players might go on strike. Some players might go on strike for smaller teams that might not necessarily mm-hmm. be making that much money. And yeah. this is going to spill over into next season too. So in eight months from now, mm-hmm. You're going to be hearing the same things come uh, January, February, March. You're going to, the same topics are just going to come right back. We're going to be exactly where we were, and we're going to have, have played a season that's going to hardly count in the eyes of a lot of people because it's, it's like 40 games, 50 games. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of unhappy players because they were forced to play, and now you still got to figure this out. So there's just unrest everywhere. And we still don't have a solution. So we got to figure something out really now, like within this next week or two. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to time limit because they said they want the season over by October 30th, I think, give or take, just the ending of October. So we're really cutting it close within the next couple of weeks to make it happen. Yeah. But another we're thing. We're approaching the middle of the, what would have been the middle of the season right now. And, yeah. You know, uh, time's taken. Yeah. Another thing that they haven't really been happy with the players is like we got the CBA coming up. I think next year or the year after, but very very shortly it's coming up. They feel that Manfred and the owners are trying to make this like a CBA terms and set them now for the future. And which is just not what's happening. It, it's really shady to make that happen. Yeah, but they feel like that's that's kind of where he's trying to go not really but underlying he's trying to like sneak it in there say oh we'll do this and that and oh you guys are gonna keep on doing this and that so yeah we'll see and time's ticking like we'll, you said we'll see hopefully things change sooner than later but uh yeah watch watch that documentary absolutely it was really good stuff and uh you know if, if you're a baseball fan like we are uh, we can only hope for a season. If not, uh, we we do have the NFL. We do have the NBA. Even though the NBA um, has some pushback right now, some players don't want to take the shine yeah. off the protests, and that's understandable. I don't know how um, practical that is personally, but I, I don't know. Uh, well, like, I, I kind of understand where they're I, coming I get from. it. I just don't know if it's, like, actually – the right move it i don't think it's the right move but like like i said i do understand it because we as people we're very short-minded like our attention span isn't the greatest like we're very trendy so something like this happens we're supporting it great keep on supporting it something else comes to distract you a lot of the people are just gonna okay let's slide over to this now 
Now, you'll have the a lot of majority people still sticking to an issue, but you'll have the people just meandering on over to another thing and losing sight of what's really important. And this has happened before countless times. So, yeah, you no, you're, give you're people what right. they've been waiting for in sports. Now, oh, we're all in on sports. Forget about everything else that's going on. So, in that yeah. sense, I understand. Now, you could still advocate and do everything you can maybe even more because everybody's there as a unit so and adam silver said this last night we could probably get people in like uh police department social justice reform people and like have sit down conversations since everybody's there and that would be a great opportunity where you take this uh, platform and this uh, space and put it to something bigger and greater than what it really is so in that sense, it could work out, but well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah and I th- I think the the use of the platform that these guys have with being one of the uh, the major sports and one of the first major sports to come back, all eyes will mm-hmm. be there. And I think if all eyes are there, then something won't go away. If you're still bringing light to it, if they're wearing the exactly. I can't breathe shirts or kneeling during the anthem or doing pre-game speeches or whatever it might be or to have like a mini protest on the court whatever it might be mm-hmm. uh, there's ways that they could keep this alive and not detract while giving a escape so it's not a constant doom and gloom kind of ambiance in in media exactly. which it kind of feels like it is right now mm-hmm. so absolutely um, real quick before we head out, um, I did just get a notification on my phone, Brooklyn. I'm sure you got it too. Uh, uh, let me go check. It. At least six owners, six to eight owners, are out on the MLB season, and they don't want it to happen. So take that for you, hmm. Will. Um, that's a good Yikes. chunk. So <laughs> uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, there might not be an MLB season, so everything we kind of said might uh hold true and next year will be a fun one um yeah. and we'll keep you guys up to date on everything yeah so you, you know the as socials always, social media at, at underscore the spectators check out our Twitter brand new instagram. instagram yep yes. our, our instagram we're approaching what is it like 250 followers now mm-hmm. so Absolutely. thank you for everybody following us on there uh we'll continue to look forward to your support and again Check out the website, thespectatorsports.com. Every week, usually on Mondays, sometimes on Tuesdays, we got a new episode. Uh, Check it out, and uh, we'll see you guys. Later, everybody. Be safe. See you.